Words are like my sun, my moon, my earth, the blood of my transmission. Conveying visions as you listen, I sort them with conviction. Words are ammunition, knowledge, intelligence, diction. Words are where I'm capable of going and what I'm able to see. And for opening the minds of those who flee. Words are for freedom, thought, research, data, signals, symbols, science, categorizing, surprising, rejoicing, provoking, everything and everyone. Knowledge, skills, vocabulary, rhythm, word up, poetry. Do you have a voice? So, as artists, man, it's like we got this never-ending piece of canvas, right? And what we paint is not always going peas to everybody's eyes, and that's fine. Like, it's not supposed to. And I'm only as good as my mood. So right now, all these patterns in my head, they're like mosaic. I think they got me figured wrong, pop. They like Zilla not in my top. 10, 20, 30 even. Ain't even know he dropped, but yeah. I'm still here through all that chitter chat. All that slick talking under your breath. Mumbling, let me get it back. Still one of the nicest, even if not considered. Wasn't pick of the litter, but still shit on the illness. I'm cracked. What you hearing is grown folk on a drum roll. Literary pros from one pro to the whole globe. Moves change like seasons. Yo, my seasons right now is just a sprinkle of one of the many reasons I rhyme. You can't Catching me at a time when time's all I really have And this path is unpaved And some days I'm sitting round bummy and unshaved Scribble couple lines in the pages that my mind displays I can't always be the shoot 'em up cat I got a record that follows me from the past That I can never take back Take back, take back, take back, take back. What's up y'all? Welcome to the fourth episode of Word Up, What's the Word podcast My name is Era and today we have Zilla, also known as Zilla, from Army of the Pharaohs. Just now you were listening to the Mosaic intro, the Moonshine remix, off of the Mosaic music, the Stockholm sessions. Really excited about the conversation we're about to have. Make sure you take the time to share this podcast, let other people know about it. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's get into this conversation with Zilla. Yo, yo. Yo, what's up, man? What's the deal? What's going on, dog? Oh man, chilling. It's been a been a crazy week, but uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to have a little conversation, man. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, definitely, man, not a problem. So um, you're out in Philadelphia right now? Yeah, I'm in Philly right now for sure. About three years and some change, man. Man, so what's the difference between Philadelphia and Houston? <laughs> I mean, I know it's that's a that's a loaded question on many levels, but just off the top, what are some differences? Man, that's a laundry list of things, man. <laughs> I think, the well, you know, the biggest difference, obviously, is going to be the price of living, man. Everything in the East Coast is extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I would almost go as far to say that it's doubled everything. It's doubled in everything yeah. from what I've known, you know, being in the South, you know, the majority of my life. It's not that I wasn't privy to the East Coast. I mean, I, I, you know, I've toured. I've, I've been out here. You know, I got friends out here and, you know, group members that live here. And uh, mm-hmm. that was the first thing. And the second thing is the lack of authentic Mexican food. <laughs> absolute nuts. Uh, Philly's, got yeah. a big, Philly's got a big Puerto Rican, Dominicano, you know, uh, 
culture here that, you know, the demographic is huge. And Mexicanos are pretty much regulated the one side of Philadelphia, which would, in my personal opinion, is like South Philadelphia. And I had to learn to roll my own flour tortillas because you can't get that here. Yeah. Menudo, tamales, everything that I was accustomed to. There's no taco trucks with any banging tacos right around the corner. So the second, you know, the second thing, the second differential would definitely be the food, the cuisine, at least in terms of like, you know, what I miss the most about, you know, home. That's definitely a, a big factor for me. So, but I will say that, you know, Philly is definitely diverse. Uh, obviously the, the home of the, the cheesesteak. Yeah. Um, yeah. But after a while, man, I, you know, I'm not a person that wants to be eating hoagies and cheesesteaks and pizza every day of the week. Like it just doesn't. That's not that's not me, man. So definitely yeah. a big difference. Definitely a big difference in the food, man. The food is a, a huge, huge difference. Uh, definitely. You know, even when you talk about other, you know, Latin communities and whatnot, but there's nothing like Tex-Mex food, you know. Yeah. And even the Tex-Mex places that they do have here. It's not the same. No, man, it doesn't rival like, uh, you know, a, a Chewy's back home or something or, you know, whatever yeah. is franchised that is considered Tex-Mex back home or Monterey House or whatever it may be. Gotcha. Even that, even that Tex-Mex doesn't, it doesn't mirror that. And I think because the majority of the Mexicanos that are, that are in Philadelphia, they're more Indio. So they're coming from more up top or they're migrating in from like, you know, uh, Chicago area. They're East Coast gotcha. to begin with, just staying in the East Coast so the way they prepare dishes is going to be totally different, man. Like it's not that close to the border down South that we're accustomed to. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I've driven in New York city. I've, I've driven in all these other places, but man, it really bugged me out just the way that everybody parks. It's like wherever there's space. Yeah. Pretty much. I would definitely be the third uh, major difference is, is the housing. Prior to moving to Philadelphia, I had never seen or never even known what a row home was. Row homes, uh, they resemble smaller versions of a brownstone like New York City or smaller versions of a, a townhouse of some sort. Like maybe I can, I can't even compare it to a townhouse because it's not that big, but that yeah. creates that whole feeling of everybody being on top of each other. And while we do have a parking space behind our home like you're right everybody parks on the street and every neighborhood pretty much within the city limits is like row home man and it changes in some of the row homes in some of these neighborhoods they more so resemble like projects you know what i'm saying like um we're, we're fortunate to live in a nice little quiet pocket you know we we my wife keeps uh the house you know immaculate man so you know i don't um you know, I'm not stressing too much, but yeah, you're right, dog. Parking is like, yeah, just if it fits, like, you know, there it is. Like, that's where you got to park at. I never park on the street, though. I try not to, man, because you never know who's going to come through there late at night and bang you up. I see yeah. it every day. I see it. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like like I said, I was, you know, trying to find a parking spot. We're trying to go to some restaurant or something. You know, this was back in maybe about 2006, and I was just like, Yo, I started, I, I never felt claustrophobic like that in a car. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, I thought I was going to hit someone because there was, I mean, just people. It, and like I said, I've, I've driven in Times Square. I've di driven all these other places, like, and I didn't feel that way. So right. it, it was, it was something different. But, it's, a tough, it's tough, man. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a city, man. Very, very tough city. 
No, for sure. So let's get into um, some of the name changes you've gone uh, over in, in your career. Um, right. Starting, you know, because I, I met you at VG Skills. Right, right, right. And uh, and then I, I remember you coming back in as VZilla. And now you're just going by Zilla, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've always, I, I guess the change was just inevitable. Like, I don't know. I've always just used the initials because I was mm -hmm. never really, man, on trying to pick that perfect name. You know what I'm saying? Let me just take the initials of my name, throw the skills behind it, and see what we could do with it. And it was cool. Um, you know, but the Zilla really came, like, from the fact that uh, I used to always be on, you know, the UGHH boards way back in the day. Um, yeah. And that was a kid from New York, man. Uh, his name was Robert Casado. And he used to always be like, yo, man, you're a monster, man. You're a monster. Like, yo, you, everything that you do, man, it's like Godzilla. You're just breathing fire on these boys. And I was like, okay, bet. Like, I took that, and I liked the moniker, and I was like, all right, let me see if we can't just flip it, and, you know, we run. With it. Um, and it wasn't until I did a show in New York that uh, I forgot what happened. My, my hype man at the time, my man Chico, you know, he's still mm -hmm. a, you know, a friend of mine. He didn't make it into town that night for the show. And I ended up having to do, like, my normal 30-minute, you know, 35-minute set, you know, by myself without the hype man. I wasn't really... I wasn't prepared for it because, you know, he fills me in on my ad libs. I used to do a really high energetic, you know, type of set. And I was like, yo, I'm really going to need my hype, man. But he didn't show up. And me and Comp, my DJ, you know, we just yeah. beast, we beasted through it. And everyone was like, yo, dog, you got ox and lump. You like Godzilla. And that's where it really stuck, man. I was like, all right, we're going we gonna to flip this and just run with it, man. You know, the rest is so-called history, so to say. Like, I just kept that moniker and ran with it, and that was it, man. It gave me that sense of, like, uh, you know, like, you can't be larger than what your persona is. You know, I'm, I'm a very humble, laid-back dude on the regular, but when I'm on stage, I really try to go and leave everything out there. You know what I'm saying? No, for sure, definitely. And, uh, you know, shout-out to Comp One, definitely, you know, one of the illest DJs and. I'd say all of Texas, if not the U.S., you know. Yeah, Comp's real dope, man. He's a very uh, veteran veteran DJ, you know, really big on the B-boy scene. And, uh, you yeah. know, that's where he really, like, made his mark. So bringing him into the live sets was really dope. And originally, before that, Chicken Dogs, like, you know, was my yeah. DJ uh, for, like, a lot of San Antonio shows. But specifically, it was Chicken George. And an incredible DJ in his own right is just that I knew that he was on to bigger and better things. You know what I'm saying? And and obviously he's like one of the top, top dudes in the in the jazz tronica circle and uh still a dope hip hop DJ. And he's you know, he's killed it in Austin ever since he relocated from Houston to Austin. So, you know, shout out to DJ Chicken George as well, man. He's a he's a good dude and uh I was very grateful to have him in my circle, you know, you know, for a short period of time. Absolutely, man. I, you know, I was watching the um, Claw Caps video that was put out, you know, many years ago. And, oh, yeah. And they have, you know, the live uh, set with you and Dick and George and just th those cuts are flawless, man. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah, man. he was always good at that. I always yeah. remember when he first uh, told me he was going to be a DJ. It's so funny because we were, we were at a recording studio in Houston and he kept looking at the the engineers like turntable setup and this may have been like 90 91 probably and he was oh, like wow. yo this, this this was like this is what i'm gonna do like, he's that adamant like this is what i'm gonna do and i was like all right word and then sure enough he bought his first setup and he started collecting vinyl and pretty soon like the room in his house you couldn't even walk in and then you couldn't walk in the hallways and then you couldn't walk like in any other room <laughs> it was really always about the 
in the culture, man. I, I respected that so much about Chicken George's because now he's known really for, you know, the peddling jazz tronica and doing all of those things and the funk. But he was definitely a uh, a well-rounded hip-hop DJ to begin with. You know what I'm saying? So real ill, man. Real ill. He's a real ill dude. You know, that's cool that you say that. He was just very, you know, it wasn't like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about DJ. And it was like, no, I'm going to be a DJ. And you, you mentioned 91, man. That's that's early on. Um, going even further back, like, what was your introduction to hip-hop? And, and you know, when did you say you were going to be an MC? Oh, man. So, you know, I think that was always the flack that I got originally, especially from my Houston counterparts, because I was never really down south. Uh, gotcha. And that's because I, I've told the story a million times, you know, I grew mm-hmm. up and I'm an older head, man. You know, I, I, I'm in my early 40s and I grew up in an era that was, um, you know, predominantly b-boy culture. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Beach Street kid. I'm a Crush Groove kid. Absolutely. Yeah. A rock album, you know, buying, you know, the first Beastie Boys album. I was already on that path from that time frame in 85, you know, 84, 85. I went to the Fresh Fest at Astroworld in Houston. You know, I seen Houdini, uh, Beastie Boys, um, you know, Run DMC, like, you know, Jekyll and Hyde. I seen all of these guys performing, man. And it was like, you're sitting around going, wow, this is this is pretty dope. And then it just kind of started like on walks to school in the morning. As an elementary kid, one, you know, one of my boys was beatboxing. I grew up in a predominantly black and Hispanic neighborhood. And so, you know, just learning. I was the first one to learn, like, all the words, the radio by LL and you know, like every morning that was it, you know, like walking down the street while one's beatboxing, I'm rapping and it just kind of, it elevates there, man. So, and then, you know, as with everything, and I think, you know, being that you're, you know, Texas as well, when we were younger, there was, until the induction of like, uh, the introduction, excuse me, of the Ghetto Boys, there really was no down South hip hop, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. uh, up until that point, um, uh, I was already influenced by the East Coast for everything that I did from the fashion to the Pumas to the fat laces to the black lead jeans and the shell top Adidas. Like that was already embedded in me. So by the time the Ghetto Boys came and then a couple years after that, you know, the emergence of the UGKs and things of that nature, I loved, I absolutely loved that music. That just wasn't my style. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was already like digging deeper into the rock chems and the EPMDs. And then, you know, the album that really flipped it around for me was um, Red Man's What the Album. Like when I heard that album, I was like, oh my God, this is something completely different. And then like right after that, Nas is Illmatic. They, they pretty much shaped everything that I had become after that. And it's funny that that Red Man album was introduced to me by uh, Marco Cervantes, who is now part of Chicken George's group, the Third Root group. Um, oh yeah, yeah. We went to the same high school together. He was a year under me, and I remember that day he got into the whip, and he's like, "Yo, you got to check this tape out." And he played me the Redman album, and I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" And he was a dope, dope MC. Um, mm-hmm. Still is, you know, still a dope, dope MC. But when we were first starting out, he was that dude. Like the uh, Chicken George, Chico, my hype man, and Marco all had a group called Bass Tribe, and they were really, really ill. And then they changed it over to like Wasted Youth or something. And they were still really ill. They're the ones who really broke me into that scene uh, in that 92, 93 era of like MCing and stuff. So I was just a kid that grew up like all of us pretty much. And I never splintered from my road. Like I could have easily adapted 
a down south style, but I never did. I was so intrigued by lyricism that I was like, that's this is what I'm gonna do. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna go this route and I'm gonna leave these guys over here to go that route. And that's that's how it panned out, man. So it's crazy. Yeah, man. No, no, that's that's dope. You know, shout out to Marco. Uh he's uh what Mexican American studies like over at UTSA he's now. The, he's the man, yo. He's like a top notch, you know, professor, man. He's a scholar. Yeah. The kid was always smart. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. I mean, he grew yeah. up in the hood just like we did. Um, but he was smarter, man. He always had a, a different intellect. He always had a different type of walk to him uh, in regards to what I think his path was going to be in. Uh, he's he's the one that actually, you know, every, seeing everything that he accomplished, he was one of the ones that actually um, inspired me to go back to school after all these years. You know, I went back to school about three years ago and uh you know I, to start getting my degrees and start trying to do something else and graduated with highest honors and i had a 4.0 gpa like it was crazy man i never thought the kid who dropped out of high school would eventually go back to college and be you know try to make something a little bit better myself man so it was it was a wild ride and shout out to marco for that and everything he's doing at utsa and uh all the accomplishments and accolades that are thrown his way for, you know, the, the, the Mexican studies and what he's doing for the culture, man. It's, it's incredibly just inspiring, man, to see what he does, man. It, it, it is. Absolutely, man. Props for that, definitely. Now, you call yourself a blue-collared MC. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I think you've I already mean, kind of mentioned some points, but just a, a little more in detail what you, what you mean by a blue-collared MC. Well, I mean, I, I think it really had a lot to do with the fact that, you know, the way we grew up, man, like, you know, we, we grew up in the era of like hand-me-downs and, you know, my, my parents divorced when I was young. And, um, you know, I grew up in a, what some would consider a disadvantage in regards to neighborhoods and upbringing and things of that nature. But the that blue collar really came because I really worked. I, re, I really did work for a lot of the stuff that you know, I was, I was, I was trying to accomplish, uh, in Houston at the time that I really started to get a lot of traction was really based off the fact that I was following the blueprint of chaotix who is, uh, you know, as Mike and Damien and the R, um, and they were incredibly inspiring on my upbringing as well in the, in the game and to see how they were moving and to see the type of music they were putting out and knowing that they had to work, you know, hard for all that, they weren't handed shit, yo. They they would just they would just get up and do what they had to do, and was killing shows and was getting placements bigger, newer websites that were popping up back then, back in the days of real audio and whatnot. You know what yeah, I'm saying? yeah. Um, it was really great to see, man. And um, I've always told them like I was always on y'all's heels, dog. Like I was always on y'all's heels, man. Everything that y'all was doing. And then to be able to befriend them down the line and be a part of their projects and, and vice versa, uh, that was really it. But really the whole blue collar thing was that I just, I work for everything. You know, I, I got that from my father and, you know, I haven't, I've been blessed not to have to work a corporate gig since like 2005, you know, like the day that I walked away from my corporate gig back then, I never went to work for another paycheck until I got to Philadelphia and even then, that environment wasn't the same as when I was younger. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was it was my wife's family here in Philly that put me on uh, to a gig just to help me get on my feet until I decided what it was that I wanted to do. So that was a blessing, man. And if you think about that in retrospect, you know, that's like 13 years yeah. prior to when I first started working where I didn't have to work for nobody. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, I was I was doing DJ gigs. Like I learned how to you know I learned how to mix. Being a rapper, 
you know, the, the next logical step is a producer. And then after that would be to learn how to, you know, to DJ and mix. And I used to rock one of the biggest nightclubs in downtown Houston, man. So, you know, every Friday night, Saturday night. And it was it was incredible, man. It was a good feeling. And, nice. you know, but that's just that's just basically what that meant. Just working hard, man. A blue collar. Like I, I didn't I didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth. My family wasn't rich. Um, I didn't you know, I, I didn't have all of the breaks. And, and interestingly enough, I think that's kind of one of the things that ultimately hurt my career you know what i mean so it's crazy not having the advantages or being able to you know have all the you know money for videos and all of that like i don't have a lot of visuals even to this day i don't and certain little things like that man just didn't work out to my advantage i was you know trying at the time i was trying to be like you know a, a husband and pay rent and, and, and lights and gas and you know once that real life shit hits man a lot of this takes a, a back a back seat but that's also what inspired a lot of my music. You know, I was never like mm -hmm. the serious punchline rhymer. I was always more like, let me tell you my story, man. And if you feel it, you feel it. You know, I mean? it's more aggressive. It's more realistic. Uh, there's never anything in a rhyme that I said that I hadn't did personally, period. Like, that's just how that goes. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so looking at back to you, you know, the first album, you have, you know, producers from, from other countries. It always seemed like, you know, it was bigger and um and even you know chaotics you know because you know I, I grew up you know here in texas too and and i always you know i heard about them early on i didn't realize they were you know they were that big we actually oh, yeah. you know, we did a we went out to uh amsterdam and germany and you know seeing their stuff out there already in some of the stores i was just like okay yeah chaotix is is much bigger oh and, yeah and uh so early on you, you know like like i said you had a producer uh moonshine from uh sweden right yeah, my boy Robert Mart Martinson, like Moonshine, man. Shuva Hendish, I'm going to be sure to send him this link and let him know. Uh, we still talk. We still talk. Actually, um, you know, Moon started out really strong for me, man. He did, you know, we met each other online. Uh, you know, the quick version of this story. We met each other online. Um, you know, he sent me some... He would always say, you, you got a really dope voice, man, but your production sucks. <laughs> and he was he was being honest like he was being dead honest and i was like all right bet so what do you think he's like i'll tell you what i'm gonna send you some beats record them in your in your recording studio then i'm gonna show you how to zip them up and create a file and send it to me and i'm gonna mix it here and i was like is, is this possible because this yo this is like 2001 yeah. 2002 that we really start culminating this album um and then pretty much like it turned into one track and I would rush home from work and I'd find another beat because there's like a seven hour time difference. So I would find another beat in my email and I'm like, yo, OK, bet. Then I would take that one and record it. And by the morning, like he would mix it. By the time I got home from work, it was mixed. And then I would have another beat. And before you know it, man, in like, you know, maybe two or three months, we had like 15 records and that became like what XL was. And it was just this incredible feeling. And then by the time that album dropped, like in 03 or 04, that was my first, you know, foray out the gate. I booked a flight and I went to Sweden and I met them guys. And it was like the first time, it was the first time meeting them, but it, it was like we had known each other forever, man. You know what I'm saying? Like there was no weirdness. There was no, uh, I'm not used to this. This is crazy. The, the country, you know, Stockholm in itself is beautiful. Sweden is beautiful, but it was another level, man. Another level yeah. of like everything. And that's when I was really starting to get that feeling like, oh, shit, you know, I'm, I'm on to something, you know, we got something. So, yeah, man, shout out the moon, man. And then, you know, he did the lockdown sessions for me right after that. And then there was a big hiatus, but only because um, 
his personal life. You know, he he yeah. had sons, he had, you know, daughters, you know, he had to do what he had to do um, as a father, as a parent, as a, you know, a, as a man, like to take care of his family. So uh, it took a backseat, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. it was more a more long extended uh, hiatus than I would have liked. So it caused me to have to shift directions and move on to different things. But there, I've never been able to recapture that feeling that I felt when I worked exclusively with Moonshine. That's how big uh, of an inspiration and a, and a factor he was to my early success in this music. Man, it, you know, it's interesting to say, or, or how you say that, different time zones, and I, I've never really thought about it. It was like y'all were really able to work almost like on a on a 24-hour schedule. You would do yeah. work and he'd come in and fresh. Yeah. Opposed to, you know, both being here and, and waiting till the next day because it's, you know, sleep and whatnot. So while you were sleeping, he was probably working. And he was work. working. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that, that was always the funny thing, man. But um, it was so like so refreshing, man. That by the time I got home from work and I'd open up that email and it'd be like mix one exhale. And I was like, yo, like he's <laughs> killing it. He, he's just a talented dude, man, and, and a good person. And I'm really glad that that friendship has endured. I mean, that's 16, 17 years of uh, friendship with him. Um, and I, I just talked to him the other day. Like, I just literally, like, you know, we, we exchange messages all the time. And, uh, you know, we always talk about, you know, trying to rehash something. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, last year was the 15-year anniversary for Exhale. We wanted to do something, but unfortunately, like, a couple of events hit, you know, then actually COVID actually kicked in and, kind of changed you know the landscape for everybody you know it just it was wild man like it was wild man yeah man i you know i wanted to talk about uh covid a bit and just because you know everyone I've, I've talked to i mean it just there's no really no shows going on and and just creative people ha i've had to become and right. uh, I, one thing i was talking to to cross um oh yeah I yeah just I, I was just talking to him the other day and i was just like you know one of the positives you could look at it though is that i think a lot of people are more accessible and online you know what i mean yeah. and so uh you know these conversations or, or connections could be made and uh you know early on when you're saying even back in 2001 and, and, and sharing files you know and i think that's how everyone's doing their 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 projects these days it seems like oh yeah it's yeah. you know it's rare it's rare that you got like in studio sessions with the actual engineer producer i'm not saying that it's 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 a totally forgotten art mm -hmm. but um like for instance vinnie paz like uh you know uh, paz still records pretty much on the same day of the week at the same studio with the same engineer who scott stallone who is an incredible the best hands down legendary mm -hmm. engineer um and is constantly working man working working yes. and that's why his music is still and his albums are still very much cohesive because I think that he's got that. I got to sit in here with, you know, my engineer with the beat. I got to be in the studio area. He has to be able to hear how I lay this down. Like, and I don't mean to speak for Paz, but I'm saying that that's what my thought process is. And uh, it's a formula that he's never strayed away from. And obviously, by the amount of work that he still puts out, it works 100% for him. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I wish I had that. You know, I'm not saying I don't have the work ethic. I just find myself not having absolute motivation at the time. Like, 
I'm one of those persons that uh, once I allow a million things to start running through my brain, man, some something's gonna lose. Something's gonna take a back seat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so, what is your writing process like? Do you write rhymes beforehand, or do you wait for the beat, or what would be the? You know, I, when I did have, and let me let me just you know clarify what I mean by the motivation. Uh, oh yeah, it's not it's not that I don't love hip hop. Uh, if you if you look at my Instagram, you see that I still throw up loose verses every now and then, or on the SoundCloud, just throw away tracks and things of that nature. Gotcha. I still very much keep an ear to everything, um, even my rhyme style. I've learned how to do all of it. Like, if you need a trap record, I can write it, record it, and probably sound just as, you know, uh, current as any of the new wave of, you know, rappers that are out there doing this particular genre of music. That's because I study. I've always studied mm -hmm. uh, deliveries and, and how to write. And I'm a writer first, man. So when I'm not doing this, dog, if you looked at my hard drive, you would bug out that there's like R&B cover one, uh, I did a 30 Seconds to Mars cover the other day where I'm singing the record. Like, you know what I mean? Just, I mean, the world's never going to hear that because that's my creative, <laughs> that's my creative, <laughs> my creative space that's only intended for me. But it just goes to show that I, I'm still a fan of music to begin with. So my writing process is really strange. Sometimes I'll jot down things. Most of the time I, you know, I do the Rain Man thing in my head, you know, until I keep repeating bars until I got the 16 or the, or the 24 or, you know, uh, or I pick up the phone and might scribble a couple lines or I might think about something, but I don't really have notepads or pens in my studio. If I was to take a snapshot of my, my studio desk that I'm sitting on right now, you won't find a pen or a pad anywhere in here, man. Um, I'm not saying that's a good thing and I'm not saying I'm Jay-Z. I'm big. <laughs> that sometimes the thoughts are so sporadic that in order for me to get them out to where they make sense, I have to let them fester in my head. Like, I can't scribble on a piece of paper and then come back to it. Like, it won't work that way for me. So, gotcha. and I have to, I have to really feel like, I have to feel what I'm, what I'm, what I'm doing. So that itch and that creative spark has really been coming back here, like in the last two, three weeks and this is a terrible thing to say, man, but I'm at my absolute best when I feel that things around me are at their worst. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's almost like I feel like I'm at my best when I'm drowning because that's the time that I'm going to fight to keep my head above water. And that's when you get the best Zilla material possible, you know? And you, you factor in this COVID, factor in the fact that uh, I'm a first-time father you know, you know here in the last like you know my son's gonna be two in january that has been an eye awakening uh moment in my life you know i've always been good with kids i've been in previous relationships in which you know i've you know raised kids and, and done things of that nature but to have your own son and and realize that everything that you're doing from this point on is to create a legacy and even for my stepdaughter, like creating a legacy, that's a very, very powerful feeling that really starts to circulate in my head to get me to be like, all right, Zell, it's, it's time now. I think you've, you've laid off long enough. Uh, my last project was 2016, which was Mosaic Music. Um, yeah. And I laid off from that point until right now. And now them, them wheels are starting to turn. And I know it sounds cliche, but the next thing that you get from me is probably going to be like, the opus, the best, the best that I've ever done out of anything. I'm sharper, I'm older, I'm wiser, 
I've lived life a little bit longer um, through trying times, through the birth, you know, of my son, like through the death of my father who unexpectedly passed away in March. Um, yo, it's, Sorry, it's yeah, I, I appreciate that, man. Like that was tough. Um, but it's finally given me the canvas that I needed. You know what I'm saying? Like I just needed to pull the paintbrushes back out. That's all, man. Like it's crazy. No, for, sure. for sure, man. And, and, uh, is mosaic music, was that what martyr music uh, became? Was it just a name change or, or is I there? I think it was. I, I had started working on Modern Music because that was the last track that I put on, um, what was it? Interview with a Monster. Uh, in, interview with a Monster, yeah. And I, that, would, that just goes to show how much of a gap. Like once I dropped Interview, I should have went directly into Modern Music because I was at a really low point uh, uh -huh. in my life at that time. Like a really, really low, dark, dark place. And that's where Martyr was about to go. Um, okay. But I realized that uh, that became like a dangerous exercise and in, uh, in trying to move forward with another project that was full of all this angst and black and dark and, and hurtful feelings. And to be honest, I think that was the point where my life splintered and I didn't want to feel that way no more. So I was like, you know what, instead of giving them another project that's going to be filled with all this terrible shit, like... Let me just scale back. Let me get back into writing. Let me get back into feeling like what made me love hip hop to begin with. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the dope records, the, the you know, the, the metaphor records, the spitting, the shit that got everybody like, yo, he's saying, you know, the craziest thing, whatever. It just became like me just throwing out tracks on SoundCloud, a mix here, a mix there. Sometimes it was sprinkled with, you know, heavy sentiment. Sometimes it was just like, you know, what I call being in my premiere mode where like, you you know, uh, like, you know, the guru type mode where you just like, yeah. yo, I'm just flowing the flow, man. Like, let's get it. Uh, so, yeah, man. And then before you know it, man, modern music was done. And, you know, four years later, man, five years later, you know, here I come again, like finally ready with Mosaic. I, I met another producer out of Texas as well named uh, Zeke Elliott. I mean, Zeke Elliott. Damn, Cowboys. Wow. <laughs> uh, Zeke Lopez. My bad, yo. Hey, oh, they, would kill, they would kill me for that Dallas shit in Philly right now, man. They, oh, I was, my head would be on stake. Um, but Zeke Lopez, man, he called himself LP. Um, he had a sound that at that time really, really resonated with me. And, yo, I, I saw him online. He got at me at a... At, at one of the shows that we had did at the club that I was spending at, I brought him down to my lab that was in the basement of that club. He showed me some beats and, you know, maybe, you know, six, eight months, a year later after that initial meeting, uh, he sent me all the beats for Mosaic and we smashed it, yo. And it was another slept on project, man. Like it just, uh, of course, my hardcore, my diehard fans, like they copped it, they supported, they did what they did, but it still was slept on like to the masses, man. And, and, and you know, that's a whole nother story that it makes it really hard for me to listen to my catalog. Like uh, I won't listen to a lot of my catalog, but on the days that I am riding around and, and pop in my old, you know, whatever it was, you know, my, my hard drive or my flash disc that got everything on it. And I yeah. listen to things that I've done. I always give myself the same speech, like Jesus Christ, dog, you should have been, bigger than what you are you yeah, should, no, for sure. and, like, and, and, I, and that's still coming from a humble place but i've always said this and i've always meant it and even in 2020 right now i stick to my guns you put me on any track with any mc 
on any genre and any level and I'm going to give them a run for their money, no matter who it is, no matter who it is. Like, that's how I've always felt. That's how I've always uh, carried myself. But I won't sit back and tell people like, oh, yeah, I'm the God. I'm the great. I'm the... No, 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 no. I'll just say that yeah. I don't sell myself short because I listen to my past catalog. And the, and the irony about that is there's a million things that I wrote back then that are coming to fruition now. Yeah, and you couldn't yeah. tell if I recorded that track 10 years ago or 10 days ago. Gotcha. So I think that speaks volumes for the type of music that I have put out that's kind of just fell by the wayside. You know what I mean? You know, and, and it kind of reminds me, you know, Karis one that talked about how uh, anyone in Billboard's top 10, he's like, I got a song that will end their career right now, you know. And but I, I and then you're talking about how you do these different genres and stuff that may never even be released. Right. Sharpening your, you know, your sword at all times. Right. I mean that's just the music, man. I got a I got a, oh, I got a really good appreciation for a ton of stuff, you know. Like, uh, and again, not just hip hop. It's really hard because a lot of the hip hop that you know you and I probably have grown up on, mm -hmm. not really made or it's, they don't make that anymore, man. Like, yeah. so you don't you don't really get that. You're not getting that anymore, and uh, it's really tough, man. Because you know, wherever you were inspired, every time you heard uh you know, a KRS or a Guru or a Redman or a Nas or a Jay-Z, whatever these things were that had you hyped up, then all of a sudden, like, they're not creating that anymore and you have to go back to the classics. So that's a dangerous peak because then you can find yourself stuck at golden era delivery. And I don't always want to be like that for every record that I put out. You know what I'm saying? So mine thinks a little bit more outside of the scope. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, earlier you talked about uh, Vinny Pass and, and how did you get hooked up with uh, Army of the Pharaohs? Well, I can attribute that to Scuba. Um, you know, Scuba was always doing the good promotions for the primates back in the day. Yeah. Um, one of the first times that he uh, I think he was doing, you know, a San Antonio show, he, he put me on the, the opening act for them. And then I uh, guess again at Emo's, we did it and I was the opening act. Uh, and, and this was, is for what Jedi, Jedi Mind Tricks? Or? Yeah, for Jedi Mind Tricks, right, right. So yeah. that created the the blueprint for me to be able to chop it up with you know uh, you know Van and all of them, and you know get to know them. And the Outer Space came to Houston, uh, and mm -hmm. I remember this. it was always a funny story because they came to Houston and they did a show at Walters on Washington, and the diehard JMT fans were there, but everybody else could they didn't really give a fuck less. It was a light crowd. Um, it was, it, I don't know if it was promoted poorly by the H-Town promoter, but it just didn't do well. And I remember meeting Vinny and I brought my friend at the time, uh, you know, who was, who was a, a boxer at the time. It was Rocky Juarez. And, um, I remember bringing him to the show because Vinny's a big boxing fan. And I introduced Vin and it was always funny, man, because I walked up to Vinny to introduce myself while they were unloading the van. And I was like, yo, Van, and before I could even finish, he saw Rocky. He was like, yo, Rocky started to talk right past me and shit. Um, but he was cool, man. We came back. But long story short about that, you know, particular day, um, I always remembered um, the thing that he told me after my set that night and after the show. Um, he was like, you know, Zill, you seem like a really good dude, and I'm going to be honest with you, man. There's some people in this world that have it and some that don't, and you got it. But I gotta be real fucking honest with you, man. You're in the wrong fucking city for 
whatever you're trying to accomplish. Like it, it, it's not Straight going up. to work out. So you're going to have to make a change. But I, I, you know, I give you all the blessings in the world. You know, stay blessed, man. Stay humble. And I hope to see you again. And, um, you know, it's all good. And then that was, um, you know, when they were doing the uh, Legacy of Blood tour. And then I met Out of Space and all of them, you know, I, and those are friendships that have lasted from that point. But the very next album, the, the Servants album, uh, I noticed that on the liner notes of that album, they gave me a shout out. And I thought that was like incredible, man. I was like, yo, that's crazy. And then before yeah. you know it, I'm doing the San Antonio shows with them, the Austin shows with them. They stopped doing the, the Houston run because they knew there was nothing in it. That that friendship culminated then, and that was 2003. So, yeah, 2003. Yeah, I think that's when it was, man. So, you know, ironically enough, uh, that's a 17-year a, a friendship, man. Then in, in 2012, I guess, uh, Vin can see right after interview that I was really, really, like, trying to get something going. Uh, and, and, you know, he, and that, I dropped the interview in 2011. And, you know, I asked him for a verse. I never asked, since that time, I've never asked Vinny for another verse. Not for any reason in particular, but I know that, you know, everybody and their mama come at him for shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, I never wanted to be that dude that would ask. You notice my projects don't have a lot of features, man. So I never wanted to be that dude, you know, to insult anybody's intelligence about anything and be like, but he gave me the feature, no problem, on time, like he said. And then, you know, in 2012, he was like, yo, man, you want to be down with AOTP and, and, and let's get it. And that gave me a really good alley-oop that kind of carried me for the next couple of years. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, shout out Vinny Paz, man. Shout out Out of Space and, you know, all of the, the AOTP. That's where that came from. I can't tell you if there's ever going to be another project after the last two. Um, mm -hmm. Not for any specific reason in general. I would love it if there was shit. If they gave me the the ball to quarterback the project, I would put it together. You know what I'm saying? Just for the sake of putting it out, because I know if we did one, you know, everyone's gonna eat it up. But you know, we'll see what happens with that, man. But it was a blessing, and uh, you know, one of the factors for you know actually being in Philly as well, um, you know, to be closer to you know that live music scene up until all of this occurred again. So yeah, yeah. wild ride, man. Yeah, wow, man. I you know I never I never knew uh you know Scuba had a, a little part in that. And yeah. Scuba, man, you know he definitely he, he talks about primates and you know even before primates even started, you know we were just a bunch of dumb kids freestyling and and I think Scuba came in and kind of organized some stuff. And yeah, actually, but who wasn't, man? Who wasn't? Like I you know to no, this day yeah. I've always I've always cited my first performance at the Lounge at Avenue B is like one of my favorite. Favorite times, um, favorite performances, favorite whatever. I met Sheck that night, and you know, yeah. he, we, you know, he's still a good, you know, still a good friend there, man. And just a lot of things that transpired, man. And yeah, you're right, man. Scuba was on top of, you know, doing what he needed to do, and uh, it was great, dog. And it's great to see where he's at in life right now, too, man. So shout out Absolutely. Scuba, and it's crazy, man. No, yeah, shout out Scuba, and, and like you mentioned, Sheck. If for those listening that may not know. A uh, graffiti artist uh, and just artists now doing a lot of work with like San Antonio Spurs in the city of San Antonio. It's kind of Los Otros, man. The Los Otros. Los, come, o Los Otros, yeah. Los Otros for sure. And so you know, early on, you know, just just hip hop. It's always it's always really dope to see where where people that start off with you know just some some hip hop stuff and how it's carried them to other parts of their career, right? So uh, where where can people find you online? I mean, you know, my Facebook. Social media presence has been at an all-time low. 
If I'm not mm -hmm. posting pictures of my wife and my family and my son and my daughter, like I'm not really on it because I couldn't deal with all the political rhetoric. Um, that's you. a whole nother conversation, hotbed of <laughs> yeah. things that things that trigger my anxiety. So yeah, I couldn't gotcha. do it. But to be honest with you, man, like uh, you know, uh, if they if they want to follow my music, you know, the SoundCloud is still under Zilla the Monster. Um, okay. I pulled down my website because I'm on the verge of uh, putting something together. Uh, you know, I'm a screen printer. I've also been a screen printer, man, for like over 18 years, man. So like, that's pretty much my my full time gig. Like, you know, I, I'm able to eat off of it. I'm able to provide for my family. Uh, I've picked up techniques over the years that are second to none. Um, you know, I consider myself a master printer. So I, got I remember that now because you would always come through with product, right? Oh, yeah, that was why, man. At first, I bought yeah. the press just to make my own product, and then it turned out into making product for everybody else. But um, most, of, most of my interaction with people, man, can be done, like, you know, on Instagram, man, at uh, Zilla the Monster, all one word. Uh, my Facebook, you know, it, it's still under, like, you know, Zilla the Monster or VZilla. You search any of them, you're going to find me. Um, you know, I'm not really hard to track down or find, not at all. Like, I'm very simple. SoundCloud.com slash you know Zilla the Monster, all one word, and a quick Google search will pretty much put you into any of that. Um, where to link me up to all my music is on every platform, almost every album except for Lockdown and Exhale is online. Um, and I haven't put those up because there's a couple things that I would like to remaster, uh, a couple things that I would like to change, like in terms of uh the way the album laid out before I put those up. So when I do, they'll be considered like uh a newly remastered version, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha, um, gotcha. They're all on Spotify, Tidal, iTunes. You can find everything that I do, you know, on, on all of the, uh, you know, the search engines there. And, um, you know, and, and in my business for anybody interested in, you know, needing merch printed, man, like my Instagram is Zilla Prince Merch. Everything is pretty much tied into the name. But, um, you know, it's, it's been an incredible journey, man. And 2020 has been very eye awakening and, uh, it's put a lot of things back in perspective for me. So hopefully those are the things that I need to get me back into the saddle because I'll be honest with you. Like I'm, I miss the old me. Uh, I miss Corden. I'm like, I got an incredible studio in my basement. Um, but you got to have the motivation first and that's all coming, man. It's all slowly starting to get there. So hopefully that's something by, you know, the beginning of the new year, you guys got something, you know, to be able to rock and be like, oh, the old man still got it. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> yeah, man. You know, definitely I've seen you know many blessings and 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 uh, you know, thank you for taking time. Anything else you want to add? Uh, other than the fact that, man, you know, it you know, it's good to see, man, where all my you know my true supporters are at, and uh, it's good to see a lot of my past bandmates and you know things of that nature, and you know my you know even my affiliates and SA and everybody, man, how they've all like you said they've splintered into their careers. And they, the way Bavu Blakes would say it is hip hop grew up. Um, you know, grew up, um, absolutely. I, I, I love to see that. Unfortunately, I'm still a kid at heart, so you're still going to get a lot of the profane, vulgar, street related uh, things that go around me, especially because my environment, too. You know, uh, like I said, Philly's a tough city, man. Kudos to everybody that was born and raised here because they're tough, man. Like you, you had to have been a tough bird, man, to be here from the jump. Not that Texas is no slouch in any way, especially in certain hoods, but Philly's mm -hmm. a different breed. And, uh, you know, I got a very, a lot of love for a lot of, you know, of the people and places and the environment and the music scene and things here. And hopefully after all of this uh, 
you know, COVID stuff, you know, eventually passes, man, we can get back to what we, we truly love. And my only, my only, uh, you know, parting thought is for everyone to stay blessed, stay humble, man. And, and, and protect your family and do what you got to do. You know, uh, we're not here for a long time, you know, but we're here for a good time, man. So we got to make sure that everything's all, you know, great with it. You know what I mean? All right, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, Zilla, you know, uh, you know, coming from a fan to following, you know, your music and stuff. And again, just thank you for taking the time to even have this conversation with me. Yeah. What up? I appreciate you reaching out to me, man. I know it's been a long time, man. And, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing that people still remember that. And, and, and I'm thankful for that. Those are, the, those are the little sparks that I need to remind me of, you know, the things that I need to do, like to get myself back up into a, a position of where people pay attention. You know what I mean? That's all you need to do is pay attention. We're a lot older now. We uh, should be a lot wiser. So that means our ears should still be there to, you know, tune in to good music. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. You know, peace, uh, blessings to you and your family. What up, man? And and uh, you know, I'll keep in contact, man. What up, man? You got you got my you got how to find me, man. I'm not hard, so man, thank you for this, and uh, hope to talk to you soon, brother. All right, man. Peace. Peace. Yeah. Tell y'all my starving, man. I only got four minutes to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's go. There ain't nothing I can't handle. My candle done been blown out many times, but still I came back with ammo. It's Pulp Fiction meets non-fiction type scripture. Allow me by four minutes to paint all the picture. I was born in the H during the rise of hip-hop. Before the ghetto boys dropped during the LL Wop. The Fresh Fest it was popping. Beastie Boys and Houdini. Back when breakers broke bed behind walls of graffiti. Lee jeans and them parachute pants and crushed groove. Practice last dragon moves cause show enough was that dude. Got the steeds from up top on them AM stations, couple months behind, but it fell into rotation. Walking to school, beatboxing with my hooligan crew. Who'd have knew that one day this here's what I do? Every day we study lyrics from Rakim to Rick. It's showtime at the Apollo, had the moves on hit. Then Big Daddy came back as in that cool G rap. Back when studios were task cams and no last dats. Real to real and DJs on the wheels of steel. Lonnie Mack and Steve Fournier was H Town Real. Aggravated and my man Sight was building a name. And all I ever really wanted was a spot in the game. See, I was only about 12 when the rhyme bug hit, and I was rapping about whatever I could fit in my shit. I grew up on all D male route behind the Kroger, back when black and Latinos were going shoulder to shoulder. Back when colors had us thinking we was bloods and crips. Around the very first time I got my hand on clips. But see, the music was a constant. It held me down. Started entering these contests around the town. Kokomo's was like the only spot that gave me respect, cause I was nicer than a motherfucker, plus I'm a mix. The 91 came calling in my school days dead 93 I dropped out and caught a case instead But by then I'm rocking Redman and Wu-Tang Jones Then my steeds all changed when I first heard Nas I started thinking about the dope game My uncle was murdered in 92 Two years later carried the burden 94 I was wildin' sipping 40s for sport Constantly trying to write my lyrics Smoking packs and imports My deep big L shit I started to swell Started thinking of my name is something illy to sell Now the ghetto boy's huge and Scarface was nice Until this day the true king 
king of the south on mics And all the horrorcore heads from Reno to Nip Then UGK straight killing on some brand new shit But I was lost in the east coast frame of mind Because there wasn't nothing southern back around my time And there we were in 95 when New York was live Biggie Smalls and Big Pun, I hate the God they died And yo, I can't forget Tribe and Gangstar arrived And West Coast was on smash like we all could thrive Every coast had it popping, all original too Like hip-hop was a voice that we could all speak through 96, 97 was some turbulent years The music turned to a feud and then we lost our peers Pac paid with his life, the same shit for big And it seems like it ain't been the damn same since But on the flip side, the underground was doubling up Chaotix rep for my city and was bubbling up They dropped the classic LP and started touring large I was following they footsteps all over the yard 2K had his rocking shows around the globe And when I finally got to meet him, let the truth be told I told D and Big Mun, you guys are one of a kind But see, my name is Vzilla and I'm ready to shine Got my man Chicken George in my new LP XL was what it's called and gave that shit for free That's when the city took notice of this Mexican kid Who flipped that gritty street shit like I was flipping my lid Yeah, I know that I'm forgetting other serious kids But that's another fucking story that I never forget So here we are at 03, now I'm doing my shows That's when Jedi Mind Tricks was killing all of the road They did a tour stop in Houston, allowed me to open I just wanted to be noticed like it's all I was hoping I met Planet Meg Crypt, then I talked to Vinny He told me I was mad nice but in the wrong damn city Then a year later did another show for them brothers That's when I noticed my shout out inside the CD cover That was the beginning of 12 long years as friends And then they made the boy Pharaoh help me get my ends Taught me loyalty is everything and fam is fam So when I say that they're my brothers in return that I am Oh man, I never thought that I would see this day Where every word that I record is the shit that you play I thank God cause nobody ever been that realer And in the end there won't ever be no one like Zilla for realer <laughs> So as artists man it's like we got this never ending piece of canvas right And what we paint is not always gonna appease to everybody's eyes And that's fine like it's not supposed to And I'm only as good as my mood So right now all these patterns in my head they're like mosaic Take back the spin number in the system where corruption is at. My consumption kind of different at this point of attack. I sit staring at my memory bank. My slate clean, but I still feel the burden from the weight of the stand. What's the purpose of this music without truth? Cause I ain't never spoke about nothing that I never really do. Just a poet with a pen in the street. My feet walk through the ghetto, even take a train straight through the beast. Don't got the luxury of living high above my means. My cupboard's still full of rice and beans. I transcend through beats. Like 
make that heat come out and make the horns come out and let the raw leak out. Then every track that I record will be that raw shit now. Cause you gotta show the masses that you're more than one lane. And silicon adapt and more things than Bourdain. I still love hard tracks, beats that go bang. But every now and then I gotta fuel my soul train. Don't wanna fall off of the track. I've been riding the rails close to the feeling like I'm sleeping on nails. But if it helps me hold my shit together, I guess it means I'm better than when I was when I was sleeping in cells. And I ain't seeking a cell or even peeking through veils. I'm just breathing a little easier from being myself. I don't gotta spit all that ride, ride, increasing my cells. I'll just save it for the album, call it season in hell. And when it drops, you gon' feel that flame. Because my pen's dipped in gas with a striking point that starts on the page. Yeah. Now you see, right? Now you see what it means to be mosaic, man. It's just, I never was really concerned about fame and all of that. I just want to be great. I just want motherfuckers to say when they heard Zilla that he can do anything, you know what I mean? Like, he can flip any style over any beat. That's all I'm trying to do. That's all I've ever really been good at.